Hey everyone, Pastor Matt here. You are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton. Our prayer is that the Word of God would both transform you and equip you to live a life unleashed for the glory of God. Our desire is that this content would not be a substitute for your regular gathering with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, that it would be a supplemental boost to encourage you as you seek to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now grab your Bible and let's jump into Scripture together. Take your Bibles and open up to Psalms chapter 22. Psalm 22. We are continuing in our series through... Uh, the book of Psalms for the summer, and I want to encourage you, if you want a unique uh, opportunity in your personal reading of God's Word, uh, in between each week you can read some other Psalms. That's a great way to just reflect on who God is, on His character, on what He has called us to, and even more specifically, how we should respond through in the face of many different circumstances of life. Uh, Psalms is also a great place to go if you're ever stuck in a place of going, I'm not sure what I should pray. And I always tell people who are in, in this state of mind where they go, I just, I don't know what to say. And I, I, I like to say, say what uh, God's word already says. It's a great place to start. Uh, don't have to reinvent the wheel, and many times I find myself praying scripture because I don't know what else to pray. And that's a good thing. Uh, and I was thinking, uh, even uh, during the rest of our time this morning that we've already uh, been a part of, that sometimes, sometimes we can come on Sunday mornings and feel like Sunday should be uh, this really upbeat, happy, joyful time, and yet some days we just need to cry together. And that's okay. In fact, Scripture would call us to that and say, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And uh, this morning has kind of been one of those days, which is really not surprising based on what we're going to talk about, uh, because our, our, our main idea this morning is through the pains of life, Remember and praise the Lord. And I'll tell you, I, I did not write this main idea down and then uh, contact a bunch of people and say, we need to do these songs and we need to have a testimony. Um, God orchestrated all that while I was simply prepping the psalm that uh, we had prayerfully picked out for this Sunday. And so I really believe this is what God uh, wants us to hear today. And how do we respond in the midst of trial and pain and hurt and anguish? And uh, honestly, church family, we've been in kind of an extended season of just that. If I have to point to it, I would say since last fall, we have just been in kind of a, a heavy season. Uh, in the sense of a lot of people dealing with a lot of hard. And it's heavy. And yet, in the midst of the hard, we have to answer the question, where will I fix my eyes? And we've talked about that. 
in the midst of the challenge, we have to step back to God's word and say, how do we recenter as the church and fix our eyes on the one who can give us hope in the midst of the heavy and the hard and the struggle? And so we're going to seek to do just that this morning. Uh, but I just want to pray as we step into this and then we're going to. Uh, actually, we're going to read a couple of passages of scripture together corporately first and then want to pray. And when we're going to jump into Psalm chapter 22. So some of you may be familiar with these passages of scripture, uh, but I want us to read them out loud together uh, before we step into Psalm 22. And you'll see why in a moment. OK, so let's uh, we're going to read the reference and then the verse and we'll do one right after the other. OK, so join me in this Psalm 56, three through four. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise in God. I trust I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Proverbs three, five through six, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Father, we're coming to you this morning, looking to you, trusting you, having faith in you to guide us according to your word for your purposes that through pain and challenge and hardship that we would respond by remembering who you are and giving praise to you, knowing what you have already done and anticipating what you will do in the days ahead. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Now, when I when we read these passages when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you or trust in the Lord with all your heart. It becomes really easy for you and I, especially if we've grown up hearing passages like this, to kind of uh, say this verbally. But it's a whole nother challenge for us to live it internally. To, to be able to say, I, I recognize I need to trust the Lord is different than me actually trusting the Lord. Uh, it's the same thing as uh, if I were to say, um, I trust this chair, but I never actually sit down in the chair. And then I tell one of you, uh, come up and have a seat. Right? And you're going to look at me like, why? Now, it's a totally different story than if I say, you know what, I trust this chair to support me. And they sit down. I did not test this chair this morning. It would have been really bad if it fell over. <laughs> Illustration would have failed. That just thought just ran through my mind. But in, in all reality, okay, uh, there's a difference between me actually trusting, which is genuinely showed through action, versus me verbally saying, this is who I am. Uh, it's why I come back to this often from our time in the book of James. Don't just be hearers of the word, but what? Do what it says. Do what, do, don't just be people who speak these things, but actually live in light of them. Uh, family, if we, if we say that we're going to follow Jesus, and we say that the, the word of God is important to us, and we say all of these things when we're together, and we go out and we live contrary to that, 
then we have completely destroyed any testimony and we have undermined the very gospel given to us. And so we have to wrestle with this in, in a sense of going, how are we most prone to respond in the midst of the pains of this life, in the midst of the challenges we face, the hardship that we encounter? And what we're going to see in Psalm 22 is a profound testimony of through the pains of life, remember and praise the Lord. And if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to cling to this phrase so that when we're navigating the hard and we go, what do I do? How do I respond when either myself or someone I love is navigating an immense challenge? Remember and praise the Lord. And we're going to see an example of what this looks like in the life of the psalmist. Now, it's interesting. This is a, a psalm of David. And what we're going to see is a pattern between an honesty in the pain and then a reflection on God and a praise as he reflects on who God actually is. In verse 1 it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Many of us can resonate with these words as we've probably felt this way before, but maybe even we're fearful to speak that. I can't tell you the number of times I've sat with people and they have communicated. I just don't, I'm just wondering, where is the Lord? Where is the Lord in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this hurt, in the midst of this hard? And in that we would resound together and say, when life is going good, it's not hard to say I trust the Lord. It's actually really easy to say, oh, God is good. And I see it. I see it lived out in my life. All these good things. But then when things turn and we face hardship and trial, we get a true sense of whether our faith is in God or our faith is in good. And there's a difference. It's easy for us to have faith in God when things are good. But if our faith is truly in God and in God alone, then through the waves and the crashing seas and the ups and downs, I know that he is steady. And I can cling to him. Now, when we look at verse 1 of here, uh, some of you may recognize this verse. Uh, in fact, it, we see it in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, and Mark fifteen thirty-four, spoken by none other than Jesus himself. Uh, Most people don't realize that when Jesus says this, it's not the first time it's been said. Jesus is, in fact, quoting Psalm 22. Uh, We're going to get to a more detail in that a little later. There's some major significance here that you will realize as we continue through this psalm. But just keep that in mind. Jesus spoke these words of Psalm 22, verse 1, when he was on the cross about to give up his life. For the salvation of sinners like you and me. 
But what we see in verse 1 and 2 is a spiritual pain. A spiritual pain. A spiritual hurt to say, I, I, why, why is it feel like God has forsaken me? Why does it feel like God is far from me? Why do I cry day by day and you do not answer? I, I cry to you at night and I find no rest. God, where are you? There's spiritual pain. But it's interesting, the psalmist doesn't stay in a state of anguish. He doesn't sit here. For he knows who God is and who God and, and as he reflects on who God is, he calls it to remembrance. And in light of that, I want you to realize something, church family. Feelings of abandonment does not equal abandonment. Just because I feel like God is not present does not mean God is not present. It means that's how I feel. I, I, we've talked about this before. There, we have to draw a line between what I feel and what is true. And that's what we see the psalmist doing here. Look at the praise in verses 3 through 5. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. <clears throat> in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. How significant is this that in the midst of a grueling trial, we don't know what's going on here. That the psalmist is honest about how they feel and yet doesn't sit there and instead goes, but I know who God is. I know he is holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel. I know that our fathers trusted and saw you deliver them. I know that they cried to you and were rescued. I know who you are. And so in the midst of the pain and trials we face, one of the questions we have to answer is, do you know who God is? Do you know? How are we to have faith in a God in whom we have not known? And the disciples would go further to say, how are they to know unless someone tells them? Bringing an urgency to share the truth of the gospel with people we encounter. If you want to know God, if you're sitting here and saying, I really don't know God, the place to start is his word. That, that, that's a great starting point. There's another piece of significance when we think about the psalmist reflection on who God is. Note in verses 4 and 5 that he finds a hope in looking back at his fathers who trusted in God. And as I was reading through this, I, I wrote this note down. Parents and grandparents do not undermine the significance of living faithfully and speaking hopefully. It may be the greatest gift you give to your children through trial. Think about that. In the midst of the trial, he goes, you are holy, God, and on, uh, enthroned on the praises of Israel. But then the rest of it is, God, I've seen this lived out in my family. I've seen generations before me trust in the Lord. And they spoke testimonially about being delivered by the Lord. Being redeemed by the Lord. 
one of the uh, powerful ways that this was communicated was actually through the setting up of stones. And Joshua chapter four, some of you may remember this from our Joshua series, it says that Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that it may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. They intentionally sought to set up a way that even their children would come behind and go, what's this here for? Well, let me speak to you for a moment about God's faithfulness. Now, you have to realize we can see this part of the story, but the backstory to that is the nation of Israel had just wandered in the desert for 40 years because of a whole generation's unfaithfulness. A whole generation had to die off so that Israel could enter into the promised land. So as they do and they see God work in ways he's worked in the past, they set up this memorial. Some of you, if you parked on the east side of our building and you looked over towards the tree, you see a giant rock over there. And some people have asked me, what is that giant rock doing there? Well, we've set that rock there at the end of our Joshua series, because at the end of Joshua, they set up the stone of testimony that will remind the people of what they've committed to. That they've committed to follow after the Lord in faithfulness. And the, the ironic thing was, on that day that we set that rock out there, we planned to do a whole service out, out there at the end, and it was pouring rain. And that day, instead, the Lord turned the attention, and we had every child come up on stage from birth through high school. Some of you remember this. We were just talking about this with some friends last night. It filled this stage. And we looked and we went, this is, this is our motivation. That... Our children and their children can look back and be able to go in the midst of trial. And in you, our fathers trusted. To you, they cried and were rescued. May we not lose sight of that church family and the significance of that. Now, the psalmist reminds us that we are most prone, even when we reflect on God's faithfulness, to lose sight of his faithfulness and refocus on the pains we experience. So we move from the spiritual pain to what we see as a relational pain in verse six. But I am a worm and not a man scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me and they wag their heads and say he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. This kind of relational pain, discouraged and concerned by what others think of me and where my trust lies. Now, if we're honest, many of us don't yet encounter this in full. In fact, I would say the grouping of people that are most prone to encounter this in our church family and in our culture are our junior high and high school students who enter into schools where they are ridiculed for these things. 
But most of us would need to ask the question, when people encounter us, would they be able to identify that our trust is in the Lord? It was one of the most profound realities I was reminded of as I sat with our brother and sister Nick and Krista during that hard week. In the face of that, it caused me to step back and go, in the face of trial, would people see that me and my family trust the Lord? Would they see that? We should wrestle with this, right? Thankfully, once again, he doesn't stay here in this area of pain. But once again, in verse 9, yet you are he... Who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. When I am prone to mourn the relational pain I'm experiencing. I need to stop and consider who my creator is. I need to stop and remember That it is He who has made me. I need to stop and consider whose opinion is more valuable. At the end of the day, it's not a hard question to answer. We see this reflected in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. In the same way, Jesus spoke about the same value in the book of Matthew. When he said, why do you worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? Look at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And then he makes this statement. Are you not of more value than they? So when we face relational pain and turmoil, scorned by mankind, despised by people, when we face this, we need to stop and consider who defines our worth. It is not The people around us that define our worth. It is the one who's made us, the very creator that gets to define its worth. One of the greatest illustrations of that uh, is if you've ever had the joy of having your children or grandchildren paint a picture for you. The worth of that in the eyes of anyone else is laughable. But the value in the eyes of them as the artist is priceless. And because I get the joy of seeing this, it's priceless to me too. One of the greatest, one of my favorite things, most people don't know this. So, I often have, over the last five years that we've been here, there have been numerous children in our church body who will give me different 
notes or, or, or coloring pages or cards or things like that. And I have one drawer in my office that is full of all of them. All of them. And what, what it's for is when I'm having a rough day, I open that drawer. And I just spend like 10, 20 minutes and I just go through. I just go through these, these gifts. And I get, I get emotional. And the reason I get emotional is because I'm so prone to define my value through earthly successes and failures that in the end of the day really don't matter. And yet the innocence of our children recognizes the great value that's there. God has given us value. It's why he sent his son for you. He sent his son to die for you because he cares for you like no one else. Whose opinion is of more value? In the midst of this pattern of pain and praise, pain and praise, and now we see prayer. In verse 11, be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. And then in verse 14 and 15, we've seen spiritual pain, relational pain, and now physical pain. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breasts. My strength is dried up like a postured and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. The imagery here is one of depletion. In the midst of pain in this life, how do we respond? Will we remember who the Lord is and praise the Lord? Now, in verse 16 through 18, we have a piece of this psalm that opens a door (laughs) that is so powerful when we think about the effectiveness of God's word to speak into the life of the church. And I'm going to read these verses and see if you can figure that out. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. What we find is, as we read through the Gospels, And we read the account of Jesus being crucified, that this, in fact, prophesies of the very death of the Messiah through which hope eternal is found. What may be even more profound in this is if we look back at verse eight in the midst of relational turmoil, we see a statement that resonates with what is said to Jesus himself As he's hanging on the cross, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And we reflect and remember the taunting of Jesus that says, if you are the Christ, save yourself. Prove it that you are the one that you say you are. This is where I want to go back for a moment to verse one. 
and see something that we often overlook when we don't read the whole of God's word. When Jesus utters these words on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We often get stuck on this in a way that it relates directly to what Jesus is experiencing as he's hanging on the cross. But because we're rooted in our own Western way of thinking, we don't recognize that the way that the religious leaders in Jesus time would have known the word of God is that they memorized huge sections of God's word. And in fact, as they memorized it, the way they would practice the memorization of God's word is uh, one of the teachers or rabbis would say the first part of the word of God and it would stimulate the rest of the students to recite the rest of it. We do the same thing when we memorize scripture or we memorize a song. We can hear a lyric and instantly the whole thing comes back to mind and it's internalized in the same way. As Jesus is hanging on the cross and he makes this statement, there's no doubt the religious leaders would have known exactly which psalm he was quoting. This same psalm then goes on to paint the picture of what has been happening to Jesus as he's hanging on the cross, once more declaring to the religious leaders, this indeed is the Messiah whom you are crucifying. And all at once we see this powerful connection of God's word across all. And we see once more that God's promises always prevail. His purposes remain. The psalmist prays once more in 19 through 21. You, O Lord, do not be far off Oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. How often, church family, in the midst of the pain and trial of this life, do we simply turn in faith to the Lord? As we reflect on these truths and we reflect on the challenge in us to ask the question through the pains of life, how do we respond? We also need to ask a future question, knowing these truths in the pains that will come in this life, how will we respond? How will we be known to respond when things go completely contrary to the way we want them to go? And I'm going to tell you, church family... They will. The season of heaviness that many of you have been encountering, it won't be the last season of heaviness that we encounter unless the Lord takes us home tomorrow. Please, Lord Jesus. But until then, family, we should expect trial and hardship and hurt and grief and pain and difficulty. And when it comes... Not if it comes, when it comes, we need to pause and reflect on the same God who has been faithful through the good has not changed as we encounter the hard. He's the same. Some of you have been in seasons of hard for a very long time. God has not changed. He is faithful. He is good. 
But so often, family, as we've talked about even untethering ourselves from the world, we become tied to the things that we think God reveals himself in. And we tie God to the world. God it does not dwell in this world apart from the spirit of God that dwells in you and me. Creation declares his glory. But God's kingdom is not of this sinful world. Praise God that this is not the end. This is not our home. But we make it our home. We make it our home. And in so doing, we tie ourselves to a world that is not our home. And then when we start losing our home, as Scripture tells us we will, we start losing our faith at the same time. Instead, I want us to see in these final verses, I'm going to read in just a moment, these final verses of Psalm 22, what it looks like to truly be a people disconnected from the world in a way that we have our eyes fully fixed on who God is. And he describes it here. And if you want a, a challenge today, it's that we would be a people that resonate with verses 22 through 31 of this song through every season that we face. And so as we as we prepare to hear this, I'm, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up because we're going to sing in a moment. I want you to wrestle with the truth that there is hope in no one else. And we've talked about this. We have to make a decision today as to who we will follow. And if I don't know the God I serve, if I don't know who I'm following, then when I face hardship and pain, then I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. We want to help you know where to go. And you don't need me to go there for you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not some advocate for you before the Lord. Jesus is that. And you have the same access to Jesus that I do. Praise God. <laughs> but who will we follow? I'm going to invite you to stand with me as I read this last portion. I want this to be our prayer. That this is who we would be. Verse 22, it says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the, the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. 
All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow. All who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve them. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. That he has done it, that he has finished the work. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Until that day comes, family, may we be faithful and through the pain and difficulties that we face, may we remember who God has always been. Remember and testify to his goodness through the ups and the downs and praise his name unashamedly with anticipation for eternity. Amen. Father, as we declare these things, may we be a people transformed by them, not merely hearing them. And listening to them, but being changed by them. For your glory, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.